This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business. It's dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs. And that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces. Embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com. Hey, I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And you're listening to The Element Podcast and Road Noise. What's happening, people? We're driving through the mountains right now, heading to do some hunting. Uh, I'm driving. Actually, KC's driving. I'm sitting passenger in the buck truck, which is just this beautiful, glorious machine, Chevrolet machine that uh, carries bucks around, scares them to death. We actually have a new um, Instagram page set up for the buck truck, so you can follow that at Element Buck Truck. And Have see you, what the buck truck's up to. It, the buck truck actually makes these posts, and so you can see yeah. him talk about himself. He's got a pretty funny sense He's a of humor. Transformer, I think. Mm, um, that's pretty popular these days. Have you ever? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, have you ever met anybody with the last name Ford? Ford? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever met anybody with the last name Dodge? Yeah. Everybody with the last name Chevrolet? No. What's up with that? Uh, it's exclusive, man. Just less French people out there, I think. I guess that's it. I think I bet you there's a lot of Chevrolet owners that don't want to admit that their truck has a French name. Man, guarantee you, know, you that. Guarantee you that's that hurts, the case. man. That's why I call them Chevys. They call them Chevys. They sound more American. <laughs> uh, who's the? You know, I got a couple stories actually. The, okay. There was a guy named uh, Blueford one time that was a manager. <laughs> Of this property, funny. <laughs> <laughs> he managed this property that we were going to turkey hunt, right? Yeah, and uh, he was going to come out and show us a place before we kind of drove around. On it. Yeah, yeah, and it's out in West Texas. I kid you not, Blueford shows up driving a blue Ford with blue jeans and a blue jean shirt on, and has a blue heeler, and that is Blueford. What are the chances, man? Pretty good. You think? Yeah. You think? <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Is his name actually Blueford? People embrace that stuff, dude. You ever yeah. met a guy named Rusty? 
No way. He is rusty and dusty and drives a red truck and has rust spots on it. Dude, my dad's cousin's name is Rusty Haint, driving no rusted truck. Well, he just hasn't fully embraced what he is yet, man. <laughs> He'll get there one day. You ever met a guy named Red? I have. Is he Red? He's a panda. <laughs> <laughs> He's not in here to defend himself. <laughs> he ain't very good at that anyways. Oh, what have you ever met? Uh, who's the Dodge person you met? Uh, Mick Dodge. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's right. I was, and you know who Todd Dodge is? Uh, he's a coach. My dad's friends with him. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, there was a A&M linebacker named uh, Mike Dodge, I believe. Not Mick. Not Mick. <laughs> um, but uh, Mick Dodge yeah. is cool, man. There's yeah, I know, dude. He's like uh, want to live like that. I know, man. Barefoot. Actually, you know what? Eating he's still alive slugs. today. He's uh, he's tra- changed his celebrity profile into a guy named Liver King. Oh yeah, I don't know if you've seen him. Just uh, had added a little bit more, uh, just fake testosterone into there. Just a slight bit, yeah. but Mick Dodge is pretty stout, dude. I bet, dude. Here's yeah. the deal, man. You live like a wild man. You don't get abs, but you get some strength about yeah, you. Yeah, you get just this hard gut, man. That's well, like ready you don't to have go, man. To, like power clean one eighty five. 25 times in a row you have to move a log once that's right you know what Mick. i mean like that's you why you find the mushrooms man yeah you know that's what you got to do that's why you know the bible talks about strength in in the girded loins you know like it's where you can't be ripping your loins you no. know like get a strong loins no, man that's you get you see them guys that get groin strains and in, yes. in football that's yeah. receivers uh-huh. by the way that's, <laughs> that's receivers <laughs> only receivers get groin strains <laughs> Everybody likes to make fun of quarterbacks of being like the little, you know, no. the wimpy ones. No, dude, it is the wideouts for sure. You ever seen a little hackberry on a fence line? That's what a receiver's built like. <laughs> yeah, they blow over in the wind <laughs> for sure. <laughs> They're a lot prettier, though. They wear their socks higher, too. I don't know, man. man. Old, old Randy Moss, you know, he was he's pretty tough I like, guy. I like him, man. Yeah. I like him. There's a few receivers that are tough, but not anymore. No, not anymore. I, I mean, don't know, dude. I don't Cheetah, he's kind of tough. Cheetah? Yeah. You talking about little guy? What's his name? Number ten. Yeah, yeah. He's a. Uh, he's kind of tough. Is he? I don't know, man. I think tough is relative. You <laughs> know? Definitely relative to the uh, generation you play in. Yeah. Because To was soft for his day, and he would he would whoop these guys. Dude, he nowadays. still does. Have you seen him training and stuff? I know, dude. He's huge. Ridiculous. Oh, yeah, is this a deer hunt podcast? No, believe. this is football. Let me man. let me relate this to something. Um, Mm-mm. so who's the greatest football player to ever live? Man, that's just not good. Not I'll a good give you question. a hint. He played football at Auburn. Black Cam guy. Newton. No. <laughs> played running back. By the way. Also played outfield. Cam Newton and Clay Newcomb are the same guy, if you didn't know. <laughs> Gordon to Brian Bostick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're talking about the greatest athlete or greatest NFL player, football player? Well, I'm not talking. I think he's the greatest athlete of I'm all time. I'm not about sure about football, though. Greatest stats of all time. I'm just talking about the best guy to ever step foot on the field. I don't know. I think as far as – like, I just don't consider Bo Jackson to be the greatest football player of all time. I do. I consider him to be the greatest athlete of all time. <laughs> Which makes you the best football player. Does it? Yeah. I don't think so. I think so. I don't because there are dudes that run four twos every year in the NFL and don't catch anything hardly. That doesn't mean they're a good athlete if they're in a 4-2. Yeah, it does. This means they can go straight line. It means they're a good athlete. No. Yeah. Athletes and football players are different. It's true, Piglet. Yeah. Yeah. 
Kind of like a square and a rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Bo Jackson, describe he uh, he's an interesting character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's like this the perfect mix of like cocky but also has humility in a weird way right yeah so he just he is very aware of how good he was right so yeah he is my dad went on a duck hunt with him one time yeah he said he he said he was there with i can't remember his his coach but he was there with a coach Mm -hmm. that he like the whole time he was just concerned about his coach and he helped him get in and out of the boat and like He's kind of older guy, you know. Yeah, and and like made sure he had something to eat, and like just took care of him the whole time. Like a super humble type of guy, yeah. but yeah, definitely uh, confident in his abilities, which were greater than most men. Yes, if not uh, all men. That's the reason he injured himself. He was so powerful, he pulled his own hip out of his socket. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's wild. That's uh, called knee drive, right yeah. there. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, Bo Jackson, in describing himself as a high school player, he said he didn't work out. He said he ran through the woods. He was fast as a deer. Yeah, he and, did, and he did like bodyweight push-ups. Yeah, do like three hundred uh, a day or something. Um, so that's uh, I always thought that was cool that Bo Jackson uh, wanted to like his way of equating what kind of a athlete and human he was was that he was as fast as a deer i thought that was really neat and could jump like one too you ever heard of the people who run deer into the ground pretty much yeah those people in africa yeah they just like they win marathons deer can like deer can uh a deer is faster than a human but if you stay after it like all day a human can actually out uh endurance a deer from what Depend, I understand. Depends on the human, I would imagine. Oh, definitely. <laughs> there were some people in that convenience store earlier that definitely oh, no. weren't out <laughs> endurancing any deer. Well, they had enough stored energy to make it happen. Uh, <laughs> That's the problem, dude. Uh, That's what Eric's working on with his new diet. That's it. The um, energy endurance. The, uh, what's it called? Uh, the energy potential's high, but the kinetic, yeah, kinetic energy's kind of low. You know? I thought kinetic was potential energy. Kinetic is energy at work. Uh, the, I guess it's static energy. Greg, do you know that? What the the two is kinetic are? energy potential energy, or is it different? Uh, I have no idea. Greg says he has no idea. Greg's brother would know. Uh, Greg's an artist. His brother's an engineer. Uh, so they their powers combined. Their powers combined. They make uh, a, they make the Bo Jackson of the world. That's right. Uh, so, anyways, um, yeah. So it's about deer, right? Yeah. Well, it's, you're uh, you're you're doing a good. This is a good segue. It right is. Here, and Bo Jackson actually hunts deer. Yeah, uh, with a he has a unique accent too, uh, but uh, he likes to elk hunt a lot actually. Does he? Yeah, and uh, he just builds his own arrows and does he, the thing. Man. He probably does that whole um, Cam Haynes throw it over your shoulder after he shoots an elk and just take it I out. I think of he woods. just throws it to the truck. He just picks it up and <laughs> hurls it because <laughs> that dude's probably sixty two or three now and would just own me and everything. Mm. So, uh, anyways, we are going deer hunting. It is, right now when we're recording this, one of the most stupendous days of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. To be a deer. <laughs> especially um, if you're a deer. So, especially if you're a male deer, because <laughs> you're like, finally! Finally. It's breed <laughs> season. That's why we all like it, man, because they get dumb. And uh, yeah. it's the rut, guys. It's here. It's November 1st. When we're recording this, probably come out a few days later. Uh, before we get into this, I do want to tell you about a few things. Um, one of which is we actually did some pre-rut hunting in Texas on public land uh-huh. and were wildly success- successful with a good bit of unsuccess involved in there. We'll figure uh, it out. If you are 
a uh, Texas BHA member, then you're going to think it's super successful because we like hung in the stand, <laughs> like, took selfie saddle pictures, and uh, you got uh, more saw deer. <laughs> got more more pictures of deer than that's right. normal. That's for right. Those types. No, huh? we really did have a good hunt though. Uh, just um, uh, shot a giant boar and uh, also flung an arrow at a big old buck and saw a bunch more bucks so we ended up finding a pretty good spot for gosh. old pre-rut hunting i probably year. some of the best texas public land hunting i've done and uh that's saying something because i've done a lot of good texas public land that's hunting. right that's <laughs> right man <laughs> uh, uh, i was i was actually very uh elated at that and that video is going to come out this week uh and i just pretty much need all of you to go tell me what you would have done differently uh, so yep. go tell me what you Oh, you do. don't have to employ people to do that. <laughs> I need our listeners to tell us what they had done differently. There because, you go. Uh, our non-listener group would tell us that they should have been shooting an adult arrow and um, stuff like that. So um, we, f- we saw the adult storage. We is, I did. think where you buy That's adult arrows. That's where you arrows. buy arrows and broadheads, too. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. A- so I didn't know that Troy opened that store up here in North <laughs> Texas, but... I think there's a few scattered around, uh, yeah. but I think it's buyer beware. Uh, so just, right. just know. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I would suggest for sure just yeah. making sure. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have to stop before you go in. Yeah. If there ain't windows there, it might not be a broadhead and might be store. a Jehovah's Witness building. You never know, man. <laughs> Killing it, dude. How do they do? They buy buildings and and brick the windows yes, up. Yes, they do. They or do. do they build them that way? No, they they're they're pretty much the same as Amish, aren't they? They can do a know. lot of things like that. They're handy. That's that's right. I think. Yeah. Are they the same guys that do those? Have those little cars in the fairs and they <laughs> drive around with the hats, weird hats? What are those guys? What are those? I don't know. I don't either. The like the North Star or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Dude, secret societies weird me out. Yeah. Into that. Don't worry. There's uh, one called uh, Washington D.C. It's a secret society affair. Yeah. So it's, it's not what's what's it's the weirdest of what's all. What's not a secret is that they exist. What is a secret is why we keep letting them exist. Uh, but <laughs> Power, dude. That's Power. it. Power. That's it, man. Well, um, we did that. Mm. Did some saddling. Greg and I uh, hunt together a lot, and we tend to hunt on the ground a decent amount. But what always ends up happening is when we get in a tree, we get all comfortable in our cruiser saddle, get nestled in there, and then we actually mm. see deer. So Nested. it's funny how that works. We uh, yeah, we um, even so Greg has gotten good at remembering his saddle, which is nice. That's good. Yeah. Well, we now him, he's got a new platform to check oh, out. No, it's, it's well. The problem is, is that it's smaller, so it can get misplaced. That's easier. right. But the better thing hide. is now we have two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's okay. If y'all don't know, Cruiser just came out with Seeker Mini, which is uh, like a smaller platform that even if you got big feats, it works pretty good. Uh, I actually really liked it. Look at this sideways trailer going down the road right here. Oh, my <laughs> That's just sideways of ever that seen. That is a mind warp. Oh, man. Oh, uh, man. That guy's going hunting, I guarantee you. He's like a hunter. Uh, so um, go check that out if you were in the market for a new platform or you like to expand your repertoire in the saddle world. I know. If you're a saddle hunter, you're like, hmm, <laughs> something new to mess with. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, they're actually really cool. I enjoyed mine. I'll use it quite a bit uh, going forward this season. And uh, you should check that out. I like to put a little paint job on them. Tyler likes to leave his the color of the sky. Either way, you can kill big deer. Uh, So 
uh, go check those out. Um, did you use yours this past week? In I Illinois? did. I, I used it one day, I think. I think yeah. we all only used it one day, right? Yeah, well, well that's it. We got them that day, and then uh, crazy things happened that night. We'll so get they're to called that the Mini Seeker. Um, I think you said Seeker Mini, now that it matters. But it's a, yeah. ta- it's a smaller platform than the original Seeker that Cruiser had, which I like. Uh, you can stand on it and do things with it. But as far as – I know there are certain people. Casey's one of these, and I, I know some other people that I do respect that – really are about having a super light tiny platform you know Um, mine is less about the lightweight i like that it is it feels considerably lighter but i like it because the wider platform is sometimes hard to fit in the hole in the tree that i'm trying to put a platform yeah yeah does that you you gave me the gray guys like you were surprised i said that no i Uh, i just don't uh i don't I don't know if I've had that problem really. I've had that problem a decent amount because, like, you're trying to set up like in set it above the, the branches, the crotch of a tree, or in the branches or whatever. Well, if you set it too high, then you're like, you just don't get <laughs> your high eyes in the hole that you want it to be, and then you got to let your yeah. rope out longer. Listen, he's not in the truck to defend himself, but Eric had one of those deals, one of his deals, you know, one of his ordeals, one of his ordeals yeah. where uh, he he had a like. <laughs> direction he wanted the platform to go but he couldn't he you know he couldn't get over where he wanted it to be and i kept telling him it was the first morning i was like you're gonna have to move that up it's not gonna open up because it was in the crotch of a tree like uh-huh. that you know it's like it's not gonna open up he did it he said it like the third time he finally understood what was going on he kept he kept setting it locking it down and he'd flip it out and it would go like literally not even 45 degrees out i'm like dude you got to move it up or move it around you know yeah. so he didn't like me where I wanted it, where I thought it should be. And so mm. he was trying to make it different, and then it ended up pretty close yeah, to where Yeah, he did I that with me in Oklahoma last year. Spent like 45 minutes yeah. trying to change it and then yeah. decided, oh, that was it was better the yeah. way it so, was. So, y'all, if if Eric wasn't having those issues, we would kill even more deer, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that uh, speedometer thing's wrong. Yeah. I ain't going that fast. Um, <laughs> so, uh, anyways, we are going to go – do some chasing around on some public ground here maybe some little private ground a little permission property yeah and uh, just try to have a good rut man um gosh drew would think, make fun of you <laughs> why would he make fun permission, of permission man he doesn't like it oh i don't have he the, doesn't like it. i don't have that uh that good good like he does you no, know that's right man so i can't call it that breadwinner uh, that's it man um i had to just you know big and just use all my tactics Yep. The cold call tactic, you <laughs> know. Y'all think we think about deer tactics all the time. We're actually thinking about other tactics like how to make money for um, once in our life. So we've done this quite a bit out of state, but you get on Onyx and you look at landowner names. Yeah. And a lot of times you can even get an address. <clears throat> and I found that uh, Onyx is pretty good about having it right. Yeah. Because, like, you can get on these these other things like Nuber and different pla- places and get, like, uh, addresses. And a lot of times they're, like, a couple back from yeah. when the people moved or whatever. But usually if there's an address on Onyx, it's listed right. You can go door knock or find a phone number associated. And, and, uh, we call those knockerheads. Yeah, people knocker door knock. Head. Yeah, I am a knockerhead for sure. Um, <laughs> Actually, man. you call them knockerheads, right? Uh, depends. It's a loggerhead turtle. Uh <laughs> And, uh, you know, depends on the day. Um, but, um, <laughs> it's just one of the best, dude. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you can get some pretty good permission in some of these places, man. You just got to have your spill together. You got to be about what you're about, if you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. uh, 
I feel I feel like the best way to get a permission is to be Fireman. completely <laughs> frank and honest about who you are with the people and with, with yourself. You know, don't beat around the bush. Tell them you're trying to go hunting uh, and just be real nice if you're nice. If you're not nice, don't be nice and see how that goes for you. You might learn how to be nice uh, <laughs> after all that. Reminds me of my dad with the cops when he gets pulled over. Yeah. Like, if you'd have just been nice, he might have given you a warning. I there. doubt it, dude. Probably not. Probably not. You don't like cops either, do you? I uh, don't like establishments. How's that sound? Yeah. Um, it's not the cops. Yeah. I think that there's just a bunch of misled people in this world, man. Yeah, well. That's the way it goes. I think that's true. Yeah, I got to watch out because uh, our, cops our, listening. our buddy TM, he uh, yeah. he got on me the other day because I was talking about wildlife departments. Oh, <laughs> dang, gotcha. He did, dude. He sent me a text like, come on, man. <laughs> I said, yeah, text me on your personal phone. Let me know how you really feel. <laughs> For uh, real. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's, I, I hear you on that, man. But um, anyways, uh, guys, if you don't have you some Onyx, you need to get you some Onyx because it's literally the most used tool that I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't do that because they're like, they give me a line to say. And like, hey, say this on your podcast. It's the truth. Like, straight up, um, probably looked at Onyx before we went to sleep last night and looked at it while I was on the toilet this morning. So, um, And I've already been to where we're going, like, probably – I don't know, 20 years. So, so you know uh, what's becoming one of my most used apps now hmm. outside of Onyx is uh, the Moultrie app, Moultrie mobile app. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like you got to temper your addiction, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's pretty fun to open up your app in the morning and see what, was, what came in last night. I kind of like it um, because it keeps me off social. So, yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I, I've gotten to where I check it when I first wake up in the morning. Because it's more fun to for me just to see what deer are doing than it is to see what, you know, like Jamie and Johnny were doing last night, you know. Talking like, about Jenny and Jack. I don't care about y'all and y'all stupid little minions is like going out and trick-or-treating, you know. Like, Dang, man, dude, you sound like my friend Dub Williams. Entrance to the occult, man, just celebrating them <laughs> bad holidays, you know. Like, no, go to sleep and look at them deer, man. It's way better. Uh, but uh, anyways... Um, I, I'm right there with you, dude. Like, right now we got cameras in Illinois that we didn't get picked up that we're going to get our buddy to pick up for us. It's going to make us real sad. Yeah, I know, but it's fun to look at. I, like I might it. have to buy a plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> you just might, sir. Uh, you just might have to do that. Yeah. Um, our buddy Isaac um, is up there in Wisconsin and kind of helps us out with that stuff. I've also been monitoring his, some of his Wisconsin cams for him. And uh, you see a guy walking around with a gun this morning? Mm-mm. And I was like, uh, I don't think it's gun season there. <laughs> I texted That's Isaac, and he was like, oh, it's squirrel. It's like, are people really that serious about hunting squirrels they with are, uh, seven mags up there? I don't know if they are. <laughs> nice. Dude, he had, he had like a 14-power scope on this thing. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't look like a 22 to me, but that's uh, fine. Um, yeah, we we uh, actually went up there and hunted with Isaac we recently. Did. Uh, which Isaac, if you don't know, is a uh, he's the founder and owner of uh, Vector Arrows. Yep. It's a uh, vector custom adult shop. arrows, right? Yeah, uh, semi adult, semi adult, adolescent, yeah. adolescent slash arrows. adult arrows. Yeah, KC uh, shoots the adult version, the HMR. I shoot the adolescent version, the ZMR, which is a 500 grain arrow. Uh, I would think it's kind of heavy, but some people might call me a joke, and I've well, been called that before. So depends on what uh, sect of the populace you're talking to. That's right, man. Have we told the story about the guy at TAC? Every day, man. <laughs> Every day we tell it. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. If you haven't yeah. heard, 
uh, I hit the dead ringer on the um, caribou at that 111-yard shot. Real happy about it, you know. And uh, some guy walked down there to see it when we did. Well, a couple people did. One really cool guy was like, man, I had to come and peep at it. And I was like, <laughs> man, you're cool. And uh, we gave him some knuckles. And then uh, you, you tell the story on the other guy. because Yeah, I think, I think the guy uh – what, how did it start out? Something about the arc of the arrow. Yeah, he's asking like where you were talking about like where you aimed on the uh-huh. antler of the caribou or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, he was like shooting a slow bow or something. Yeah, yeah, and then you're like, actually, I'm shooting a pretty fast bow or something. Whatever. I don't remember. Yeah. Actually, you weren't at the time. I don't think. But no, I, I was shooting a 350. Were you? Okay. Yep. So, and uh, he was like, oh well, I don't remember how it ended up, but it basically he you uh, we I asked him. He said, I, "Oh, I'm shooting a heavy arrow too, or something like that." Yeah, and I just couldn't help myself. I had to ask him. I said, "Well, so what's that? You know, about five, six hundred, whatever." I don't remember what I said. No, it, it went. Um, you probably know it better than me. I can't. Uh, you you usually got this. I think I think you've been thinking about your uh, your Mio or something. I'm trying uh, to kill a deer, man. Yeah, I ain't got uh, no time for these so archery guys. This guy uh, came up asked if I was uh, shooting a we said uh, slow bow. And uh, I said, no, nah, I'm just shooting pretty heavy arrow. He said, and uh, he said, oh yeah, me too. And and uh, <laughs> I, I had to ask, oh really? How heavy? And uh, he said, because I knew I could already play with this guy a little no, bit. No, I asked it. You did. You you did here in a second. Yeah. So I I said, and he said, um, oh real heavy. <laughs> and, and Tyler said, what like 500 grains or so. And he said, oh, no, not that heavy. <laughs> it's like 440 or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is, it's it's only funny because the, the stereotype. Oh, yeah, Basically, dude. the guy who's like an archery guy is typically shooting a super light, fast arrow because it helps with accuracy over distance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it needs probably a little bit of momentum to get through a deer sometimes. Sometimes. It'd be uh, hard to kill a deer with paper... Uh, paper arrow you know what i mean it would be or a styrofoam arrow yeah might need to try it. i don't know oh, you can get yeah. a good foc on styrofoam arrow i bet you yeah you yeah. also can kill one with a blowgun according to tim wells right yeah i think so i don't know he killed an elk with something like that bear bear saw him kill a bear with a blowgun did he harvest the grease probably yeah i bet probably not <laughs> uh okay we are jacking around a lot. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk about some hunt. Yeah, stuff. Illinois, right? Illinois. Vector, Vector Arrows, we were, that's where we're at. We were oh, talking yeah, about that's right. the Isaac deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Isaac had invited us up to this uh, to hunt with him this year, basically. Got us some permission on this really cool, uh, actually about 1,000 acres on this place. Uh, at one point in time. Yeah, at one point in time. It was about 1,000 acres. So we go up there. We scout. We probably talked about this on the podcast. We scout. We hang cameras. We got like six cameras out all over this place. It's awesome. There's corn and beans on it and like swamps and trees and like pines and all this. Di- I mean, it's a diverse property. And it's surrounded by a lot of lowland, uh, just thick, nasty stuff. Like there's got to be giants in here, right? Hadn't word is hadn't been gun hunted in sixty years. Uh, it's been bow hunted by some guys for the last twenty five or whatever. It's like four dudes or but something. Light you know? pressure, you light know? pressure, yeah. no big deal. They shoot, you know, they all shoot a buck, you yeah. know, whatever. But like you know, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so couple, like not long before the trip, uh, <clears throat> we find out that the guys are not happy that we're there. We're going to be there. And this is this is like 
in season, y'all. And um, a couple of them kind of throw a fit. And our contact, I don't know, you know, I don't know what to think because I know deer hunters are weird about this stuff. So I don't know. But he seemed like he wanted to help us. Yeah. And, <clears throat> but there was a couple guys that were really not having a good time with the fact that Which, we were going to be hunting. Uh, to make sure and drive this point home, we have permission to hunt this place. Yeah, we um, we actually built a horse barn. Yeah, to so we could get permission to hunt this this farm, and also our friend Isaac has uh, knows these people very well and has for years and years. And they said yes, you can hunt, and we spent time with them. And so we got permission too, yeah. just like they did. They're not paying; it's not a lease or whatever. They're just you know they do work for hunting basically just like we did right Mm -hmm. so there's no difference here except for they've been there for some time well they long story short kick us off uh about 80 percent of the farm and the 20 percent that's left is you know frankly at least looking at maps and first glance does not look that good And, and and after hunting it a good chunk of that actually is true. Um, there, yeah. there was night movement and some night scrapes being made on the majority of what we can hunt. Mm-hmm. But um, there was also a, a lot of the property also that we had to hunt is super inaccessible pretty yes, much. Yes, that's the point I was going to make is that <laughs> we had a bunch of red lines and squares and boxes marked places we couldn't go, which just meant that uh, the – the places that we had access to you could only access on like one wind direction and that might not even be the best wind direction to even hunt the thing on yeah and let me just tell you the smallest of the canals i had to use hip waders <laughs> every bit of hip waders to get across um and the rest of these canals are deeper than that that are that are literally you know blocking off huge sections mm-hmm. you know of this property so just a, a overall like big downer so casey and i start to just uh, flip script and basically say, okay, we, we probably start out here, but we got to, we got to figure out some public stuff. Right. So we, <clears throat> we started doing, you know, we hit the maps and start to look at things and play some pins. Uh, we get to, um, Illinois or to our place in Illinois up North. And, uh, we start to do a lot of driving mm-hmm. like we usually do in a, nor- a new place, uh, which we didn't expect to do because we thought we'd have camera de- uh, data to help us on this place. Which we did have camera we data. Did. And then we got the news shortly before we went up there that we weren't going to get to hunt a lot of this stuff. We had, like, shooter bucks on camera. Um, and then Isaac uh, went in there as a, as a bro and moved the cameras around to places that we actually could hunt, and they yep. stopped showing it near as much action. Yep, and uh, that was not fun. Yeah. And so <clears throat> we <clears throat> we also found out that a lot of the public that we thought we could hunt is not, it's like uh, birding public, bird watching public. <laughs> yeah, um, the birding public. Not hunting public, <laughs> that's it, <laughs> not the hunting public. Um, and that was a bummer. And then we were so close to like, uh, the Wisconsin area that it kind of made sense to potentially hunt Wisconsin, but we just spent nine hundred something dollars on Illinois tags between me and KC. So conundrum, you know what I mean? Mm. Not fun. Uh, this becomes this is where deer hunting can become not fun when you get this like competitive just uh, deal. And we don't want this to be not fun. Yeah. We don't want it to be competitive. Well, I'm we not wanna... there to fight over deer, no, man. That's I'm what there I told to see deer when I'm hunting. A bunch of people, man. Like I. You know, I was about ready to bow out on this thing because I just don't, I don't like this kind of stuff for a yep. lot of reasons. Um, like I, I don't, I haven't been on leases with people outside of family members 
ever in my life, and I think this is part of the reason is that I just don't want to have this like, oh, this is yours over there, mine over here, and we probably need to not make sure we cross the board. You know, it's just not, not fun, man. And then there's also the aspect of this being people you don't know at all, so you yeah. don't know their character. Like, you don't know if they're going to respect even the agreement that you come to after the initial agreement. Yeah. Are they going to be in there riding foilers around, messing you up? Or are they going to come in there and slash your tires in the middle of the night or who knows worse? Or yeah. are they going to be just fine and dandy? And I would say after, like, okay, so, like, our, our contact, uh, for all intents and purposes, seems like a pretty nice guy. But um, the other people, you know, with them throwing a fit over something that seemed pretty fair would lead me to believe that maybe – their character was lesser than his, you know? So yep. it's like almost a matter of safety at this point in time of yep. like, what are, what is really going on over here? Yeah. Or are they going to be driving four wheelers all over the property while we're hunting, mm-hmm. just checking their stands, quote, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and we did come to a realization through this whole, like, Hey, you can't hunt here. We're going to send you some on X shapes. Um, we came to the realization that these guys are not just your regular old just for fun hunters. Mm-hmm. These dudes know what the heck they're doing, yeah. to be honest, you know. Um, Which, they, they had pins everywhere and great, you know, they spent some time dude, on the Onyx yeah. map. He was really uh, organized with colors and all yeah. kinds of stuff. I was impressed with that. Um, and, like, you know, looking back, I, I think we talked about this on the trip, like, I can't really blame these guys too much because it is their spot, Mm -hmm. you know. It was just a big, confusing mess as to who was allowed to do what. You know, if I had been hunting a place for a long time and all of a sudden there's new hunters on the place that I didn't really have any say in, I'd be kind of perturbed too. Well, and and a part of what we were trying to do just to ease the social pressure was we're hunting the last week in Oklahoma – or Oklahoma, in October (laughs) – I wish I was hunting in Oklahoma. Uh, no, we're hunting the last week in October. Yeah. And that's that's not the greatest week. I it mean, really like, isn't the greatest it week really after our experience, week. yeah. Uh, it could it could have been a good week. Yeah. Uh, I think in a lot of a lot of years it would be probably a good week, but like the best week is for sure the first couple weeks of November. Uh-huh. And we found that out um, through our contact and through our experience there, but we were trying to like fill a spot with you know, which is the last week in October with a, a hunt we thought we might could go have some pretty fun hunting in, you know, way up north and, you know, have decent temps and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and just m- make it work. Yeah, so, a good hunt for us, but also not uh, raining on someone else's parade. Yeah, so we don't have to, like, fight over the first two weeks of November or whatever, yeah. you know. So we – that was us trying to be considerate and, and help and – obviously it helps us or whatever, but, like – Anyway, like you said, it was a point, it was kind of almost like a bow-out situation. And then all of a sudden, we found out through our buddy Isaac, um, who is not a guy to press issues and cause uh, cause issues with other people, um, that he had had a contact with the landowner and uh, they had worked things out. And he wasn't even trying, I don't think, really. Yeah. Um, and that basically the landowner uh, worked things out. And I don't know what happened exactly, but basically uh it seemed fair to the landowner that like we've said we all worked for a permission you know what i mean so so for um finally after this is probably like day two or three i think yeah like after the rain right i think it was the the night of the rain the night of the rain yeah uh, that it rained all day The, the place gets opened up to us and we have exclusive 
100 run in place for the next three days pretty much because that's when we're going to leave is yeah uh three days later so um a whole lot of like stress and just extra map scouting of new stuff that yeah. really was for nothing gas driving and, hours yeah. and hours trying and to figure out the public like resort like the the biggest thing that hurt on that is the resorting of the cameras uh-huh. because then we didn't have like a large MRI. amount of data yeah the mri to you know go off of so we're kind of hunting blind which i do all the time but the whole concept of this place is that it was going to be different than what we are used to. You know, we're supposed to have like that private land feel to see what that's kind of like. You know, we kind of work for the access to kind of, you know, poor man style pretty much to be able to go on this place and, uh, you know, to maybe not have to just do the brain squeeze to figure out where a deer is, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So this is like, you know, going into day two and a half or what mm-hmm. you might call three um we have this exclusive access so we start trying to kind of hunt yeah basically places that cameras were and you know this was such a challenging hunt man this was like a different deal than mm-hmm. i told you and eric both several times probably like for the first couple of days i was like i feel pun intended out of my element right yeah. now like and it was literally the most perplexing I have felt while deer hunting in a long time. I literally, uh, this is one I'm trying to use more often, but I, I felt uh, more stumped than Paul Bunyan's local forest, man. <laughs> you know? I like that, too. Yeah. I laugh at that every I'm, time. I'm going to keep it going. Yeah. Um, so. By the way, I'm done whining now. Like, the whining portion of this is over <laughs> outside of, like, deer hunting being yeah. hard. Okay? Yeah. We're not. We're not trying to make it seem like no, we are the just kind of setting the scene yeah, here we're not the mistreated hunters out there or anything no. it's just the this is a realistic thing that happens to people all the time yeah yeah for access, sure right? for sure yeah, yeah that, but from I there mean, on you're talking about the hunt being hard yes no it was difficult dude i literally sat i think i might i can't remember i either set four or five sits in a row the first four or five without seeing a single deer in the maybe the greatest place to hunt deer in the world northern Uh illinois you know what i mean and i didn't see a deer on a place that had corn beans and uh all kinds of brush and swamps you know like and it just blew my mind michael uh or otherwise known as jim michael if you ask tony peterson call him jamie jamie's also a good thing um he drove three quarters of a tank out of my truck uh for the for like two days and saw had like three deer sightings uh, during prime time, like while we were hunting, prime time hours, morning and evening, he he saw a buck cross the road, a doe cross the road, and then saw eight does at one time in the back of like a bean field. Now, they, one of the big issues was the corn was still in in a lot of places, and it was on the farm that we hunted, like incomplete, pretty much, like all of it was in. Uh, they were cutting while we were there the last couple of days, oh, but they weren't cutting a whole lot. Dude, I saw them out working on the combine to get it going, and I kind of went by there and gave them some rah-rah, like, you can do it, guys. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I went and talked to the farmer, kind of like, hey, you know, what's y'all's plan? You know, oh, we got to work on it. We're going to get, oh, man, all right, that's cool. I hope you yeah. get it fixed. Yeah, y'all got this, man. <laughs> man, it would be cool if y'all got it all out because y'all could just stop working, you know? Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it was it was a, an issue because we've got ten foot corn everywhere, all of his farm, and I mean deer possibly are coming out two hundred yards from you. You have no clue. Whereas yep. you, you would at least see them be entertained, potentially be able to call to them. These different things. We did rattle a lot. We we're very I think 
if I can speak for you, were pretty aggressive in the rattling. Uh, you had some issues early. I guess overall. I you... broke my rattling antlers. If y'all have watched me on video, I have a set of rattling antlers I cut off of a deadhead I found. Uh, and it's like a big fork side and then a, you know, a three-point side. And they sound pretty good. I like them. They got a good, like, nice pop. Well, uh, the uh, four-point side has always, I'm sorry, the fork side has always been a little weird. Like, it, it, it's like that antler didn't develop normal on the deer's head. Kind of has like a spongy look on the end of it or something. Well, what that meant is the core of that thing was kind of hollow. And uh, I like go to rattle and this is on film it's probably hilarious um <laughs> and don't even like hit it super hard i just like kind of like thunk and that time just flies off so i now <laughs> am rattling with a spike side <laughs> and it to call it rattling is just not not fair well, it is like <clears throat> thinking around luckily i had a backup bag that greg really likes it's oh, a rattling bag dude. and um Greg's a big fan of it. It remains it, to be seen if that even works, man. I, yeah. Have you rattled a deer in with that? Yeah. You have? I think. I don't know. But <laughs> That was a you can't, enthusiastic, you to, yeah, if you don't the, know. <laughs> it's speci- you have to rattle it a specific way. You can't just... That's, like, not the way to do it. Yeah. You have to, like, squeeze hard on that thing. You have yeah. to... You got to give it... It's specific because if you just go to just doing the whole uh, play-doh roll in your hands you know like then you just are sounding like a guy who's tinkering around with yeah. something you know so yeah it's uh but you, you got that and we did some, we did a lot of rattling um i don't know for me my 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 part of the story uh since we're already you know 40 minutes deep in this podcast my my, my part of the story is going to be real short <laughs> i didn't see any deer hardly at all uh we do what we normally do and work really hard uh we ended up finally just saying you know what we just gotta we gotta get aggressive we got like day and a half left we're gonna get into the woods and just bomb in look at some stuff you and greg were a big part of this uh we got uh you know we got boxed out for lack of a better term uh by waterways where we wanted to go so we didn't get a whole lot done uh, but basically, I just went and said, you know what, I'm going to get as remote as I pretty much can on this property and get into some nasty, thick stuff. You guys had seen um, via your scout and some scrapes in that area. Mm-hmm. And so I just went into that and tried to make, you know, best of what I could. Uh, We've been uh, using e-bikes a lot. we got some Kaufman e-bikes that are kind of like fairly inexpensive in the e-bike world, mm-hmm. at least. And yep. uh, they're pretty nice. I mean, they get you around, yep. and um, that actually lets us do some pretty good speed scouting, I yeah, would say. They're absolutely. pretty handy for that, yeah. uh, and that's why we found some scrapes. And we had consistent winds for three days straight, uh, which is actually kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like deer don't move as good on consistent winds, but at least you can like sometimes leave your stuff set up or just have a pretty good idea of like you don't have to rethink every hunt yeah. as much. Well, uh, uh, October 29th, after starting deer hunting in late September, was the first uh, day that I actually um, didn't have to hang a set. Mm-hmm. I, I like was able to leave my stuff in a tree. Yep. So out of all the sits I've sat, I had to hang a set every time except for that day. But yep. that was nice. Um, but, yeah, I got back there and hunted near where y'all were at, and I liked it a lot. Um that last morning i had i was trying to kill uh, guys will be honest a fairly small buck but i was <laughs> i was, like his body was big he had a big old thick neck like uh but he didn't didn't have a huge rack uh, fsb but i was 
dude, I was pumped. And we, I was trying to call this deer in, and he was, he was wanting it bad, but he was also ignoring me. It was weird. Like, I would, I would grunt at him, and he would turn his, like his left ear would like turn back, but he'd just keep walking. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you know, you hear him, but he's just doing that, like, uh, come here. To, you know, you tell your dog here or whatever, and he doesn't come to you, but you know he hears you kind yeah. of thing. And uh, then he circled around, came out to the end of this bush. I thought he was coming right at us, and he just made a little pigtail and looped out and went. And then right after, saw another 10-point. That's probably like in the 120s, and I was really smoked or stroke, stoked to smoke that deer, and I didn't get a shot. Uh, he got weird. And then that evening, uh, this is the last evening, um, you and I are both kind of going to bomb into some stuff that is pretty nasty and remote and swampy and just we're going to get into the buck bedding essentially because that is the type of stuff that we haven't really hunted a ton of um, is just getting in the thick nasty and we aren't seeing stuff on trail cameras so that's got to be where the bucks are right call that the buck tuck where yeah. they're tucked back in you there tuck into yeah. the, you got to tuck into the buck tuck yeah uh, but anyway we me and Eric go in and I've got this plan to hunt a, this. There's this kind of open, kind of marshy grass area that I want to shoot deer in. But to get to where I can shoot them, I have to get up in a tree. And the only tree that I can really hunt, this is where I had sent Michael that morning. And he kind of showed me on the map where he was seeing a few deer going across this canal. So I have to cross this canal and go into the uh, willow pillow, which is also known as a thick, thick willow thicket. <laughs> and uh, it had frag grass and everything, cat cattails. It was just nasty in there. But I had to go like 10 yards into that to get into this willow tree, a big one, and shoot down to the other side, essentially across the canal. So we go in, we get, we, you know, of course we're making noise. There's like a no mile an hour wind. And uh, <laughs> we're uh, making some noise as we get set up, trying to be as quiet as possible. Um, kind of you know breaking a few of the willow limbs to try to get shots make sure that the camera is set up and everything and um i'm i take my release off i'm gonna put my jackets on i usually once i call once i cool down after like being in the tree for 10 minutes i'm taking putting jackets on so i start putting jackets on i've got one arm in a jacket and Eric goes, there's a buck. I was like, oh, no, Dang, don't do Eagle this. Eagle Eye saw it? Eagle Eye, he it, saw dude. both the bucks on that day. That's uh, cool. Before I saw him. And I think that dude's getting better at seeing deer. Yeah, he is. I think he, he is. is, man. He's learning what they look like, yeah. man. Um, anyway, uh, I, I kind of like lift my head or look, lift my eyes and look at him, and I can see where he's looking. So I look my eyes that way, and I can see him. He's at 90 yards, standing broadside, looking right at us. <laughs> It's a big 10, like probably 130s type of deer. You can roll them 90 yards, can't you? I can, I've can. i shot some 90s this this <laughs> summer and done okay, pretty good at them, I Just guess. It's not something you're going to do on a whitetail? Nah, it was something I really wanted to do on a whitetail, actually. <laughs> 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 but uh, I decided against it, especially since my release wasn't on. Yeah. I didn't want to finger you didn't shoot them. I didn't want to finger shoot them. I didn't have my tab with me. Down. I didn't have my tab. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I. I uh, just took that D loop on that canine tooth. <laughs> uh, anyway, I I got um, I let him. He started just kind of chilling out and looking around and stuff. So I got my jacket on and started to get my release on. Well, he gets back into his little bedding island there, and I think I'm like, is he? Is it? Because it's getting kind of late. We had to. This is the thing, dude. Sometimes when you film this stuff for a living, you got to film parts that take time and to do a good job, you know, and you end up going into places later than you want or whatever it it does hurt you man all these people that want to film their hunts 
I don't, I'm not saying don't do it, but just consider you will have less shots at deer mm-hmm. over the career of filming hunts than if you want uh, your shot on film. That's cool. Yeah. It probably won't cost you a whole lot. It might cost you a few deer. But if you want to t- be a storyteller, that's when it really starts costing yeah. you. Yeah, Because you got to sure. do all the – I mean, you got to tell everything that happened. Yeah. And if you want to be good at it, you do it in what you see as creative ways, and that really takes some time yeah. because you don't just document. You create. Right. So we're document or we're creating, and it uh, costs us time mm-hmm. in that evening. So you we're getting texted up pretty me. Late. We've been in the stand for quite a while, and you texted yeah. me and said, well, "Scott, we're well, getting set it, up." And yeah. I was like, crap! <laughs> it took forever too because we had to. I had to put on. This is. Uh, I thought my story was going to be short, so sorry. Yeah. But, um, Anytime somebody says long story short, you just better just put your seatbelt <laughs> yeah. on. You know, yeah. it's going to be a good ride. This is my doe story right here. There's <laughs> actually a buck involved. Yeah. There is. It's true. Uh, but there is. It's. Uh, Did you not ever killed. see a doe from the stand while we we're up there? Uh. I didn't count this really, but from literally like a mile away, I saw three does. Yeah. I think that was it. Mm. Yeah, weird. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, going in, we had to cross this canal. I took I I've been carrying uh, hip waders um, that I bought last year, just in case. Have not used them yet. Mm-hmm. Well, this was ideal, dude, because this water came up to within like four inches of the the crotch there, and so. But we we only had one set, and luckily they're fourteens. That way they fit everybody in our Yeah, how did, did Eric crew. put his boots on inside of those? Or <laughs> yeah. How did, yeah. How did he make that work? No, so what we had to do is I crossed, and uh, he, he attached my pull rope, which is like 25, 30 foot. We crossed, and I, I attached the pull rope to me, and then he held on to it, and then he actually had to add some too. And, um, and so basically I'm attached to a rope. I pull the waders off and I put my boots on and then I fold them up and tie tie the the rope on there and he kind of holds it taut and I basically uh, we do a one two three and I'm gonna throw them up he's gonna pull the rope so that it makes sure they get over the canal you know and so we do a one two three I throw on three he pulls them over I said hey also catch them if you can so they don't land like in the willow willow pillow or whatever you know so anyway it worked like a charm dude. He puts them on, and I'm like, hey, I'm going I'm going to go set up the tree. So that's why it took forever is because of that, and it was super thick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, this buck goes into the goes back into his bedding thicket, but it's late. This, my point in telling this is it's late enough that I'm like, is he going to actually bed back down or not? Because I didn't feel like he was he had time to bed back down. Well, <clears throat> probably ten, five minutes later, he comes out the south end of this thing, and I see him getting ready to cross the the same canal we're basically sitting on. And I, I needed to call to him, but I wasn't ready. I didn't have an arrow on the knocked. I didn't have my release fully on. I didn't have my jackets all the way on. Um, like, I wasn't ready. And He wasn't ready. <laughs> I, I got to, I, got, I guess when I was sitting there, um, like, you know, not breathing when he stood there for, like, 15 minutes, I guess something, my throat dried out or something. Uh-huh. Dude, I had the worst need to cough I've ever had, dude. Not good. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I finally like told Eric, I was like, I tried to dig in my bag, couldn't find water. I was like, I need water. Well, he gets me water finally. And it was the only thing that saved it. But when I finally got the water back to him, I was like, all right, start breaking limbs. The deer's already on our side of the canal. So it's not ideal. It's just literally straight willows and frag grass. Um, I'm like, start breaking limbs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rub this tree. And I kind of got this idea because Greg had talked about um, like 
raking yep. it, raking a tree and having a buck come in at one point. He was telling we a story did a bunch about of that, that, but uh, it didn't work. Yeah, well, he was telling me a story about it that day, it's and a good so idea. It gave me, a, yeah, it gave me the idea to do it. So I did it, dude. Ten minutes later, we can hear a deer coming up mm. behind us in the swamp, straight west, and uh, this, and then he starts sneezing. And we can, so I know it's a buck at this point, or a deer at this point, not a buck, but a deer for sure. And then it crosses the canal at 25 yards, and I can hear it. And it is so thick in there, this deer comes to 20 yards, can never see him, never saw him. And he stands there for like five minutes, leaves, goes out, and I see him like a few minutes later at about 120, 30 yards probably, uh, going away. And it was the same buck. We had raked him in, but didn't get a shot. And so that was that was my evening, but I was I was pretty bummed because I didn't have a very good hunt, and we finally made some moves, got in there and got aggressive, and it just almost paid off, but didn't, you know. Yeah. And you know, Michael was a big factor in me going to this place and setting up there. Michael so it, was a huge factor in a lot of this stuff. Exactly right. He, man, he sat a spot the day before that, the, yeah. the night before that, that helped you out a lot. He did, man. Uh, all, first of all, thanks to all our guys that help us do this stuff greg michael and eric uh but like eric and greg kind of stuck with us michael was going to be isaac's film guy but isaac had some family stuff that he had to deal with um quite a bit that kind of kept him away so michael ended up being the man in the stand with no tag and just watching doing observation sits so uh really appreciative of him because he was a big part of my success um so the first evening, we all decided we were going to push in on that north stuff. Um, we kind of debated on where to send him, and y'all ended up hunting at the place that we thought we were going to send him, and he ended up going to a different area, kind of more on the eastern side of the property. And uh, <laughs> Dead Gum saw the bucks <laughs> that were our target bucks, man. Yep. He uh, <clears throat> saw one buck that was a good one but he didn't get any footage of it and then he saw a broke beam that we've been watching all summer uh like in a very killable place and we're freaking out man uh we uh, <sighs> didn't see anything that night greg and i didn't we're set man. up in a really place that greg had a lot of confidence in i liked it too uh, I think Greg just liked it because he was in a real comfortable spot in the tree. <laughs> I was kind of hanging out over this lane, and uh, it was going to be kind of sketchy for me to get a shot. But I like these kind of setups where, like, you know, if somebody's going to be in a sketchy position, make it the shooter and not the camera guy because it just sets the camera guy up uh, to have success. Whereas, like, if you put the camera guy in a sketchy position where he can be seen real easy, it's just a good way for the camera guy to mess up the hunt and then him feel bad about you know that happening which uh greg hadn't done that yet we actually haven't had too many issues with that um the past few seasons where the camera guy kind of yeah. messes yeah. things up too much but um yeah eric's good at not messing things up he too. is dude he stays still he does man and greg does too greg <coughs> doesn't even move when there's not deer around dude he's like he's stoic uh, stoic that's a good is. word dude um well uh i feel like he's judging me when i'm on my phone he dude, is dude. <laughs> for sure he is because uh just like he's judging my rattle bag <laughs> tell you something, if we ain't seen a deer in three days i'm gonna be on my phone okay <laughs> uh, um but when it's still like that i hunt with my ears more than i do my eyes uh honestly but at the same time it was well i'm getting too far ahead of myself uh michael sees those deer 
So we decide to make aggressive moves. Normally I wouldn't do this. I would wait the 24 hours to go make the move. But he saw deer that night, and I decided to go in, Greg and I did, to go um, try to shoot those deer headed back to bed in the morning. And it's kind of a sketchy setup. We're in a marsh, uh, which I'm already out of my element, right, (laughs) Uh, in a marsh, and uh, decide to do this thing where we're like one stick high, but like really we're literally one stick high because my platform was at the same height as the top of my stick. Yeah. So my platform's at like probably five and a half, six feet, but it is so, so it's done that way so that I'm shooting just over the top of the tall grass mm. and we're actually pretty concealed. Yeah. We uh, didn't see the target bucks that morning, uh, but we did rattle in like a really cool looking two-year-old um, that really, really, really wanted to get shot. Be, yeah, he wanted to get shot. He gave us, he gave us the old Nat Geo, Geo footage, you know, mm. like just beautiful. It was actually a really cool hunt and fairly rewarding uh, just to get to sit there and see a buck, you know. Yep. Like it feels good after you've had a hard hunt. But um, all the time while we're sitting there, we're looking at the maps, thinking about how we can make this better because – uh, right there, our closest shot is like 43 yards. Um, I am prepared to take a longer shot than that if need be, but I really like chip shots, you know? Yeah. Like, last year I shot three bucks, um, the longest of which was where? Where did I kill a deer? In South Oklahoma, Dakota. South Dakota. South Dakota, I shot a deer at like 32 or 33 last year. And then Oklahoma was at like 13 yards, and Kansas was like eight yards. Okay, and I like those shots. Me too. Because uh, then, because it just feels good, you know. And 45 is not that. So um, we decide that we have the wind, especially on an evening hunt, to go sneak in kind of from the west side as opposed to from the north side. And there's a really good stand tree we can see from there. And I've actually seen it in the summer when we went up there to scout and hang cameras. I know it's a good hunting spot. Actually, it's crazy. Because I picked this tree out as the first, like this is the first place on the property property that I was like, I want to sit right there mm-hmm. in that tree. And I kind of like saw that it had a, a nice yoke in it where, or a crotch, whatever you want to call that it. That way where, y'all could be evenly yoked. Yeah, we were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, I like the, the camera guy to be a little higher yoked than, uh, than me. Um, it's good, man. It holds you to a higher standard. That's right. Um, <laughs> but it's like, we get up like 25 foot in this tree, way up there, because... Um, we're able to. I like hunting high, but not quite that high all the time um, because there's usually less cover up that high. But I wanted to be able to shoot to the corn, and if you don't get that high, there's brush in front of the corn. You're never going to yeah, see. Yeah, like 10 foot tall. Yeah, you're going to see the tall. top of a giant buck's rack and <clears throat> yep. not have any shots at him. Cry. So, yeah, uh, we get up high, getting ready for the shot at the corn. There's also shots behind us to this thicket of marsh, and as soon as we crawl up in there, Greg's like, give me the big eyes already. He's like, there's deer right back here. Rut rage. And there's deer <laughs> running around back here in the marsh. Cool. And uh, we can't see them. And then, like, the, the weird thing that always happens, right, we're up in this tree, and then from, like, 90 yards away, a doe starts blowing, and we can't even see her. Like, mm. somehow or another, this doe out in this thicket yeah. is looking up at the sunshine and says, oh, look, there's something to blow it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why is she doing well, we that? We had that happen. We rattled in something and <laughs> had that happen, deer blowing at like 70 yards, man. It's weird because like there's a there's a thing in hunting where like if a, if a brushy tree, say a willow, mm-hmm. is far enough away from you yeah. and also far enough away from something else that you can't see 
or even not necessarily, it's more being distant from you. Mm-hmm. You can't really see through that willow tree very yeah. well. But if it's close to you, then you can see through the branches really well, and you can see deer out there. Mm-hmm. And it could be the same exact tree, right? But in the same manner, if that tree is close to that deer and far from you, that deer can see you, and you have no clue. Yeah. And that's what happened to us. It's like that mesh turkey all. blind stuff that you yeah, put up. Yeah, that's you know? right. That's and, right. Yeah. And that's probably, you're probably right. That's what happened. But she blew out. But I'm convinced of a few things, and I'm learning this stuff, I think, this year pretty heavily. One, that deer sign is a joke, <laughs> okay? Because we hunted, like, great sign this whole trip and hardly saw any deer, right? And I think everything is nighttime sign. You just got to find the place where the deer are and hunt them. Yeah. That's as, that's as dumb as it sounds, but it's true, okay? <laughs> like. Uh, I like it, dude. I like it. You got to find where the deer are and hunt them, man. It's, and that's what we did there. Like, they weren't the bucks weren't technically bedding right there, but that's where the deer were, you yeah. know. Um, so we found them. Michael did, and we hunted them. <laughs> so yeah. um, the other thing is, uh, I don't remember what it was. What was the other thing? <laughs> oh, that deer don't care about other deer blowing, like hardly at all. If anything. I've seen it help more than it hurts. It helped me in Nebraska one time. I guarantee you it helps, dude. Yeah. Bucks are like, I hear a doe over there. I'm going to go mess with her. Yeah. It's a thing, dude. It's a thing. Yep. And um, anyways, uh, she blows and kind of spooks out, and it didn't feel good, but she didn't smell us, so I'm like, whatever. Maybe she'll bring a buck in. Um and then we proceed to sit there for, I don't know, about another nine or ten hours and not see anything. <laughs> it wasn't that long, but it seems like that, you know, especially on day five when you just haven't seen many deer. Uh, and then uh, we're, like, hearing stuff. And Greg, uh, for the most part, is really good at hearing and seeing things. But every once in a while, he'll hear something, and then it doesn't develop into anything. So I, it's not that I don't take him seriously, but it, until he sees one, I'm like, you know, it, it's kind of – like, we're all this way. You hear something, but you don't see it. You just kind of yeah. take note of that being over there. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, when you see it, you know it's a deer. Yeah. Um, he hears something over here, and I'm like, all right, cool. And it's kind of like we're facing opposite directions. Uh, so he's kind of looking back to the north. I'm looking to the south. Um, and uh, and we all can he, look at each other the yeah, whole time. Right. We can stare at <laughs> each other's eyes. Uh, and he hears something. I'm like, I kind of look around back there. It's like at the hardest place for me to look. You know, it's like at the five five o'clock on the clock face for me. So real tough. So I kind of like look back and then I readjust back to where I'm at. Like, okay, just let me know if you know you see anything else. And Greg sees something else. He, <laughs> I'm looking. It's really quiet. And Greg goes. Shark buck right here. <laughs> but he didn't yell it, but it was Shark like. Shark buck. Yeah, it pretty much was. Um, it was uh, like Greg has this real good way of like, he's a pretty soft-spoken guy, yeah. right? Um, so he can get his point across and not make a lot of noise, but still convey how excited he is, both with his eyes and. Um, That's a musician in him, dude. Yeah, dude. He, he knows how to tell a story with his uh, fingertips, you know? Yeah. Uh, but. Um, he uh, lets me know that this deer's right here, and I can see. And he we, we have this thing we laugh about with Greg Greg's eyes when he sees a deer, uh, and it's really cool because it's. I love excited people. Me dude. too, man. Heck, I'm too. excited about these deer. This is exciting stuff, and, dude. Uh, he's like John Book, seventy yards, and so I turn around. Uh, I ask him if I can move, and he says, "Yeah." Um, so I turn around to look, and he's actually closer than that. Greg is um, used to hunting hill country deer. 
so his depth perception is real off anytime <laughs> he's trying he he overcompensated in, in South Dakota and he undercompensated on this one. It actually was like at forty five. And it came out I have no shot. Either way, year. you know, when somebody just throws out a number, even if they're wrong a little bit like that, yeah. you know it's close. You know right? it's, it's not like 200. Don't, don't move. You yes. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, don't make any movements. Yeah, that's why I was like, can we move? Because I had – I probably had grunted, like, within the past 15 minutes or so. So I'm wondering if this year's looking around for us. And uh, it still is a church mouse, you know. So it's uh, – It was so quiet that Yeah, evening, it was very quiet. So I'm trying to, you know, make sure he's not on to us already. And – uh this deer actually has no clue where in the world he's just so oblivious um turned around deer's at 45 yards but i we didn't get to prep any trees or anything on this place so uh even though i'm in a good tree i have limited shots just because of the way nature works right um and there's limbs in the way and I, i don't have any shot at this deer where he's at and i'm thinking okay there's two things this deer can do or three things uh and two of them work out well for me uh, he's on the edge of a little waterway. He's either going to come out to this waterway, get a drink, and go down the far edge, and I'm going to have a 35-yard shot at this buck. He's going to cross the waterway where he's at and then come down the edge, which I think is option number two. I think he's going to do the first thing. Option number two is cross the waterway right where he's at and then come down the edge towards us uh, because that would be with the wind in his face, and that would make sense. Uh, and I would have like a... 15 to 20 yard shot depending or he's going to cross the water and continue on about his way in his current trajectory and i'm thinking okay that's probably not what he's doing but it might be and if that's the case i'm gonna have to grunt at him to get him to come to us which i don't want to have to do i love grunting in deer but i even love it more when they come by and you don't have to mess with them you can just shoot them when they're calm you Mm -hmm. know that's uh that's real nice well this deer goes out and we get the nat geo stuff again like it's like the uh obelisk uh obelisk in washington dc reflection pond type stuff man it's gonna it is sweet and y'all wait y'all see yeah uh he crosses the water and then continues on his current trajectory. Crap. I'm going to have to call this deer in. He's going to know that <laughs> this grunt call came from 25 feet up a tree because it's so quiet. And uh, I can't see him at all now because he's just at a spot where I can't see. I also can't move to see him because it's so still. So I have to look at Greg. I have my grunt call out, and I give him a pap, just a bat. And Greg says he heard it. Well, then, as soon as he hears it, he starts throwing his head back in the air trying to smell because he's almost upwind of us. We, we still have a little bit on him, but it's so light that it can be swirly at this point in time. And I think that probably what saved us is just the fact that the wind was falling uh, down to that water. And, but, you know, it's kind of sucking down there at the base of our tree, so we weren't getting wind to him. Uh, and he's, this, to shorten this up a little bit, we have pretty much a 20-minute standoff with this deer. And I bet for 15 of that, the deer doesn't move. I grunt at him three different times, and finally he takes a step in our direction, and Greg's giving me like a, uh, 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 he's, he took a step. I'm like, really? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> oh, it's getting cool. Ooh, uh, and Greg is, he's, he's a good hunter, man. He, uh, Gunter. He doesn't want to mislead you if he's telling you something, you know? So, like, he's very cautious with the, like, He's coming this way. You know, like he he definitely didn't tell me too soon. Um, 
but finally the deer starts to commit. After about 15 minutes, he wants to come check out that grunt and turns around, does about a 180 to come down the edge of the waterway on the near side to us. And Greg does say, he's coming this way. And I say, can I move? And Greg like gives me the hastily, yes, yes, get ready. Uh, and then that's freak out time for sure, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I thought there was, this is a wing and a prayer, you know yep. what I mean, at this point in time. Well, this deer has us pretty much made out where the sound should be. And they do this thing, man. They are so good at just living as deer. Yeah. God made them just real good at being deer, man. They, <laughs> yep. they are good at it. Yep. Uh, and um, he knows where this grunt call is coming from. He doesn't know it's up in the tree, I don't think, because I'm turning away from him and making pretty soft sounds. Mm-hmm. So he, he just, but he knows about how far it was from him. And uh, he gets to where he thinks he should be able to see the deer and locks up behind this bush. I ain't got no shot. I then have my bow in my hand. My grunt call is in my pocket. And uh, I have no chance to range this deer, but I've ranged some stuff in the general area. I think I have an idea of how far away he is. Um, And he takes, finally, like three or four minutes later, takes two steps forward, and I somewhat have a clear frontal shot. And I'm shooting a fixed blade in this situation. Isaac makes a fixed blade broadhead that I kind of like. It's real sharp. It's a neat idea. I shot a pig with it uh, a little while ago, and it, it worked real good. If they fly, amazing. Uh, actually, uh, it's one of the really nice qualities of them. And I was like, you know what? I'm shooting big old body deer up here. I'm going to shoot that fixed blade at these deer um, just to try it out because I have confidence in it after shooting the pig. So I say all that to say that, like, I don't want to shoot through brush, but I do know that if I actually accidentally clip a twig, it's not going to open a mechanical and just send me to oblivion, right? Um, and so I'm got my bow in my hand i'm in the worst position possible in a saddle just leaned way out at the five o'clock position i like doing this thing and if you've hunted much you probably know but like if you try to look real hard at your periphery for a long time you get mm, dizzy mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking mm, about i know exactly so, what you mean <laughs> doing this thing where like i'm looking at the deer real hard and they get real dizzy so i have to look straight forward I, yep. <laughs> exactly. yep i had to look straight forward for like 20 seconds it's so. like you know how you tell you your eyes if you cross your eyes <laughs> it gets stuck happening. that's exactly it dude. Stuck, dude. <laughs> and so and he's just locked up and he's staying there forever and we're probably four minutes into the standoff of him in this final position here. And uh, I tell Greg, I don't think he can hear me, but he says he knows what I said just because it's, he can tell how uncomfortable I am. Yep. And I'm telling him, I'm just going to have to draw and try to shoot this deer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, as I, right after I tell him that, um, my grunt call precariously falls from my pocket to the ground Mm. straight down it doesn't clink 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 anything it just falls straight down on the ground the deer has has made greg and i in the tree by the way because we're two big blobs up there you know above the skyline and he's just looking at us he doesn't really know what we are he's not super concerned but he's just like what is going on up there yeah um and then he looks down at the base of the tree because the grunt call falls well uh looks like i have an opportunity so i draw my bow he doesn't even move or notice. And I'm like, I can't believe this is working. This is, there's no way. Well, not only does he not notice, he gives me plenty of time to like make sure my bubble's level, make sure my tea is pretty good, I'm anchored good. And I'm like, I'm about to shoot this deer at 33 yards and this is going to work. I can't believe this. <laughs> so 
I kind of have a relaxation moment uh, because a little hindsight, I rushed a shot uh, about a week before this, so I kind of am a little conscious of this situation, making sure that I, I have all my form right, and I decide that it's time to take a shot, start to squeeze the trigger, bow goes off, arrow flight looks good, but the arrow does not drop into the pocket like I expect it to, and this is where, okay, we're probably going to do some laughing and stuff because we like to have fun, guys, but this is not an ideal shot. I'm not like super, like happy with it, um, but it was effective. I thought this deer was at 33, and the deer was probably more at like 20. And I'm sorry I made such an inaccurate judgment at distance, um, but it's going to happen in archery. And you know what? Uh, before about 2006, that's how everybody was shooting bows. You know, like you didn't use a rangefinder and stuff. So at least I had some bearing on it. But what happened was I was so high in the tree, the deer's such a large-bodied deer compared to what we hunt in East Texas. I'm just all out of whack. I'm thinking he's at 33. He's at 20. So if he would have been at 33, my then 30-yard pin would have absolutely smoked him. But he's at 20. And I shot this deer in the throat, in the neck. Throat patch. Throat patch. As we call it. And it's... uh, (laughs) It was stunningly effective. Um, yes, it was. He I'm thinking about aiming there from now on. Dude, I wouldn't, but you Just could. Just kidding, y'all. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't take off of that, please. No, yeah. Uh, it uh, instantly, he's bleeding. I, I don't realize how high the shot is. I just know that I didn't quite hit down into the good stuff. But um, I'm thinking, Brendan's calling me right now. I need to call him Speaking back a little bit. Speaking of throat bit. patches. Throat patch, that's him. He's got one, dude. Do you <laughs> yeah, know about it? Yeah. Birthmark? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's where it came from. Uh, <laughs> funny that he's calling right now. Yeah. Um, instantly, he's bleeding. He, like, kind of has the halfway spine hit type thing reaction mm. where he kind of goes to flopping real quick. And uh, I'm, like, in shock. And Greg's like, get over here. I was like, oh, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's my like, goodness. That's like me with the... It's like me with the pigs. Yeah. That, uh, last year, when I shot that one, and there, you were like, "Get another arrow." I was like, "Oh, great oh, idea!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's more than one shot to be had. Yeah. Well, then this deer flops out in the waterway, and it looks like Shark Week. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I cannot. I mean, part of me wishes I could have just sat back and just watched, as opposed to hustle and try to get an arrow and shoot this deer. Take inches um, off his antlers. Yeah. And stuff. So. Uh, to use Tyler's famous phrase, long story short, I fling two more <laughs> arrows at this deer, and the only hitting I do is I n- knock the very end of his G2 off on his left side, <laughs> or his right side, <laughs> with, a, with a broadhead. So um, that was ineffective, but uh, that actually spooked him a little bit, and he got up and ran like another five yards onto some drier ground, and that is where he expired, uh, like probably 60 yards from us in the tree and greg and i are freaking out (laughs) we know the shot isn't like perfectly ideal so we're a little concerned Mm -hmm. uh so we're being real quiet there's still probably 30 minutes left in daylight so we watched him the whole time he doesn't move but again still concerned and i'm now overly cautious about deer Mm -hmm. uh getting up or not being completely dead and all that kind of stuff which is probably the better side of the scale to be on so we get down out of the tree very quietly, go meet y'all. You know, I text y'all and tell you, hey, shot a buck. Think this, think he's dead, but, you know, we need to make sure we get everybody together, go on recovery. Michael, again, 
Mr. Selfless. He wasn't very happy about it, but he was still selfless. He yeah. he uh, got to be the man who went and got the game cart because we forgot that at camp. Um, and we go on a recovery, and sure enough, he's a big, dead. Big uh, old dead monster buck, man. Yeah, big, dead monster buck over there. Um, and uh, we got to recover that sucker, man. Yeah. It was pretty good time. Yeah. Uh, I was very, very elated. Recovery, recovery is cool, man. Like, dragging one out of the swamp is kind of cool. It is cool, you know what I mean? man. It's like one of those things you kind of dream about. It's it's a weird deal. It's kind of like a, more than anything, it's like a man-man thing to do, you know? It's like, <laughs> man, man. you feel like a feel like a man when you pull one dude, out of this nasty swamp. I know, dude. You know? I was just like funneling my inner, uh, what's his name? Oh, Fuzz? Dan Infault. Uh, Dan Infault, <laughs> yeah. you know? Just, just grabbing him by the antler and dragging him through the marsh. <laughs> Uh, and uh, it was cool. It was a great night, exciting time. Still stressful because it's the last night we're there. We're like trying yeah. to leave early in the morning. Uh, and instead, we just got back to the hotel early in the morning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we got us a little bit of sleep and then had a super long drive home. Oof. But I was very thankful for the opportunity to shoot the deer. Uh, definitely a deer I'm like super stoked to leave Illinois with. Like he's not a chump, you know. Like he's a big necked, has some mass, like some good stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's the story, Illinois, guys. Um, I do believe Tyler has found a sandwich shop that we're going to stop and eat, if I'm yeah, guessing. Co- real quick, before we eat sandwiches, I want to just give people uh, a couple things. I want to give them some rut tactic tips. Okay. Because I know you got a hot Ooh, tip. I got a hot tip. Yeah, and then uh, I also want to say that that video is one of the ones that will come out on the Meat Eater platform in the summer uh, summer fall of next year, so mm-hmm. 2023. So you won't be seeing it anytime soon, but you heard the story. We did as good as we could to detail that whole thing out. And then uh, the footage is going to be insane. Greg killed it. Uh, KC did a great job. I also killed him. You uh, also <laughs> killed him. Right in the neck. <laughs> right in the neck. Right in the throat patch. And, then, yeah. and so let's talk real quick about a couple of rut tips or thoughts that we have going into this because we want people to also kill it when they go out this next week or so. And, uh, and just, man, I just can't wait to kind of see you guys off and see some of the success that you have going forward. Uh, send us pictures when you kill deer on these tactics. So hot tip, KC, let's hear it. Uh, I got a couple, so we're going to do a hot tip off. You do one, I do one. I'll start. I'll start. Uh, my first hot tip is go off of observations. Look for the deer you're trying to kill and go find him and shoot him. Don't go off a sign. Okay, like it's the rut. These things are laying down sign every five feet. Now, there is always exceptions to this, and I get it, but I can promise you this. You find a decent scrape, you're going to sit over it, and it's going to take you five or six days before you kill a deer over that. And if you're that kind of guy, do it. That's totally cool. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't like to um, take the right turn. <laughs> I, I, mean, I took the wrong turn, but it's right there. We'll get there. Um, but uh, what I really mean to say is I don't like to just sit the same stand. I want to be trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. And um, I, I would say the best way to figure stuff out is to use your eyes to observe deer. Figure out where the does are moving, what they're moving to. Figure out where the bucks are going, like why they're hooking this way or that way, and go sit up on that visual observation and kill a yeah. deer. On the same note, Casey, my hot tip is – and this is derived from something I was talking about earlier on a live Instagram video, but don't be afraid to scout during the rut. Mm-hmm. Get what they call boots on the ground, dirt under your boots, walk the earth, get 
out there and try to find that hot sign, not just see it from a tree stand necessarily, but get out there because what's going to end up happening, guys, it don't matter if you walk into the buck, the biggest buck's home range on November 7th, there's a pretty high chance he ain't going to be there. There's also a good chance that if you spook him, he He is at a high level of not caring. He does not care. Yeah. A lot of times, I'm not saying that you're not going to mess things up when you do that sometimes, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying this is the time to be as aggressive as you ever have. Go in there, find where a big buck lives, and kill him. Yeah. And kill him right then if that he's there. Gummit, you know kill him I mean? right then and there, man. That's yeah. a good tip. My next tip is uh, all about agriculture, okay? Mm. Deer like to eat. Ag. Collect okay. AAA, all about agriculture. Yeah, all about agriculture, that's right. Um, so uh, there's about four things that I look for that deer eat. Um, that's corn, beans, alfalfa, and wheat. Corn and beans are seasonal, and so is wheat. Alfalfa is a perennial. You'll have a, a field of alfalfa all year long, um, but there's a shift this time of year where corn and beans are kind of going out for the most part. And then wheat is coming in. It's called winter wheat, okay? Deer really like winter wheat. Mm-hmm. They like to eat that green stuff whenever it's cold, man. They love it, okay? You can predict how much winter wheat there will be in a certain area by wheat futures. Mm. That is a agriculture term for, like, how much the stock of wheat is worth coming up in the coming up season they like have these predictions right Mm -hmm. wheat futures are high right now that means that there will be more winter wheat this winter than what there is on a low futures year so look at the futures and figure out how uh limited of a resource that winter wheat is going to be yeah the bible and therefore people like things in threes and that's Mm -hmm. three tips Mm -hmm. so we're going to kind of leave that at that but uh, i will say that in regards to the wheat thing you're talking about don't ride off a dirt that look or a field that looks like dirt because sometimes there's little wheats coming up in it and the deer will still eat them when they're little Mm -hmm. so that is your tip don't forget that the uh texas public land hunt is coming out on our youtube channel here this week sometime first week in november uh we're gonna do our best to get it out as we go in and out of hunting and those kind of things and don't forget remember same thing this is your element Liberty. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business, is dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs. And that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces. Embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little 
backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space.